Hey, we do community stories every Wednesday at 1030 where we bring in someone from the community to talk about something that's going on, something interesting that you could participate in or just to want to know about. In this case, I've got someone from the Historical Society and that is Heather Heron. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. And with me, I've got a volunteer from the histor- with the Historical Society, Susan Hines. Good morning. Good morning, Karen. And Susan, you've been a volunteer with the, the Minnesota Historical Society, I think longer than Heather's even been uh, working there. You 17 years you've been a volunteer. About that, with the Blue Earth County Historical Society, yes. About well, that's, that that's the a, time. Yeah. Well, quite a long time. It's a great place to volunteer um, because they have a lot of different volunteer spaces, I guess you'd say. And so they never make you do anything you don't want to. Well, that's They, they good. find something that, they, and they're very appreciative. So I, I oh, love yes. volunteering there. I really and I do. love how you got involved cause, because what you got involved with in volunteering is what you just participated in one day. You heard about something happening at the Historical Society. So you, your, I guess your niece said, hey, mm-hmm. auntie, let's go to this. Let's tell mm-hmm. us about that story. And then we'll talk more about what, what we're going to talk about that others can get involved with this weekend. I took my eight-year-old niece uh, to the Victorian lawn party in, at the Hubbard House many years ago, and um, I sort of like costumes, and my niece knew that, and as we were walking up, um, I said, oh, we saw a, a woman dressed in a Victorian outfit, and I said, oh, maybe I should go back and get one of my fancy hats or oh. something. And she said, oh, try to act normal. Oh. Uh, but <laughs> she knew that I love costumes. Was but she a teen or a tween? She, well, she was only eight, but oh. she was precocious. Okay. And yeah, but she was <laughs> acting like a tween teen, young yeah. teen. And we got on the lawn, and she immediately says, my, my aunt just loves costumes. And they said, well, if you like costumes, you should come here. And I said, well, I don't really know that much about history. And they took my phone number, and then... A couple weeks later, they called me, and I started volunteering as a guide at the Hubbard House, and I got to dress up in old-fashioned-looking clothes that I had some around. For those who don't know, what is the Hubbard House? The Hubbard House is located at 606 South Broad Street, and it is uh, restored to its 1905 appearance. Right, Heather? Tell yeah. them a yeah, little Heather, more. Yeah, you can give me the history of that, because it's, <laughs> a, it's a, a fan named after a family that maybe yes. settled here at some point. So, Artie Hubbard came to Mankato in 1870 and loved the area. He was on his way back home to New York from California when he stopped through Mankato, and he decided this was a great place to settle and have a family. So him and his wife stayed here. They purchased the land. There was a house there originally that they um, ended up tearing down and then built their grand house in two different stages, essentially, that we know it as today. What made him do this grand house? Because it is, you know, quite fantastic. Was he wealthy or what was this? What did he do here in Mankato? His family was farmers, if I remember yes. correctly. Um, he was he, an entrepreneur. Yeah, okay. he definitely was. Um, he is. He started with the Mankato Linseed Oil Works here in town and then started the Hubbard Milling Company here in town. Okay. So um, his legacy still lives on in the naming of that building that we know of today. All right. So now we know the Hubbard House and then you like to dress up. So continue uh, with your dress up story here. So I started as a guide at the Hubbard House and I knew instantly I just loved it. I just fell in love with doing it. The house uh, was built with hot and cold running water. Uh, Which is unusual for that time. Indoor indoor plumbing, water closets or what we call toilets but with the tanks up above. Uh, And so it it was just a wonderful place to volunteer and um, so I just kept doing that and we started doing many more kinds of events and projects and uh, 
we're glad that we can open things up again now. Oh, right. I'm sure for for Heather, I'm sure that's been a, a big change for you all of a sudden with the COVID, you were all closed down and is everything open? What's what's any protocols? So right now we just in the last week kind of relaxed our mask mandate. But people, if you are still more comfortable wearing a mask, please wear your mask. And sure. but yes, we have tours starting at the top of the hour at the house. We would like you to register in advance, but if you're on a whim going, no, I just like a tour, it's top of the hour. Is it is the Hubbard House a destination spot for a lot of tourists who come to Mankato? It is, just because it's this nice, confined tour that, oh, I'm looking for something to do for an hour, hour and a half. So you come tour the Hubbard House, you go through the beautiful gardens that the Twilight Garden Club keeps up. They're absolutely gorgeous, and they bloom yeah. at different points in the year, so there's always something to see. Well, that, that's a cool thing, because I think back in that time, they had those, what were more called the cottage gardens, and they've kind of kept in that tradition, the, the Twilight Garden Club. Very much so. All right, so this weekend is a Victorian lawn party, and they're going to have games and things and, and costumes from that era. And I ask, what was the, when was the Victorian period? And Susan knew the answer right away. 1837 to 1901, uh, from the time that... Uh, Queen Victoria ascended to the throne until she died in 1901. And you're going to be one of the volunteers there. So yes. what will we expect for the period costumes this weekend when people can come and experience all this? Well, typically for a Victorian lawn party, uh, women would dress in light-colored long long skirts, of course, and usually their arms would be covered as well because we want to protect ourselves from the sun. We would wear large hats and parasols, sun umbrellas. Para means four and sol means sun. Uh, so we protected our skin from the sun. The clothing, uh, everyone always asks, are you hot in that clothing? And I really don't think that if you choose the right fabric like they had, non-synthetic cotton linen, silk, or even lightweight, very finely uh, woven, thinly woven wool, surprisingly, hmm because I do reenacting other places, uh, is cooler than s synthetic uh, fabrics that we wear now. So they were cooler than you might think. Uh, and people got sort of used to it. Also, they carried their hand fans. and um, <laughs> No air conditioning. They didn't. No they had running water and may, may have had that, but they didn't have the air conditioning, obviously, was a, not a thing back then. Correct. So you're going to have sort of this reenactment and people are invited. So, Heather, what are some of the things going to be happening this weekend and when can people come? So the Victorian Lawn Party is going to be on the lawn of the Hubbard House between the Hubbard House and the Carriage House. There's a very nice lawn set up there and a nice sidewalk. And there'll be some fun games that you can participate in. And the Zip Zap ice cream truck will be there. So it, <laughs> They did not have that in Victorian times is my guess. <laughs> no, but they could have made ice cream. Sure. Nice treat to cool down. Yeah, it, churned. So. Well, actually, they had ice cream wagons in some cities, I just posted on the Facebook page. Not Zip Zap, though. Not Zip okay. Zap. <laughs> and it wasn't motorized. But there, no, Zip Zap's modern. Right. But there there were ice cream wagons in, uh, I posted a picture of an ice cream wagon from London. Uh, so it was sort of similar on the Facebook page just this morning. When did ice cream socials become a thing? Because it seems to me, looking back, you know, you hear a lot of times about ice cream socials. Even when I was younger, that was kind of the thing to do was go to ice cream socials, whether it was a 4-H club event or whatever. And I was just curious if that was kind of a thing from history, too, that people would get together for those sorts of things. 
I'm not certain. I know that they were serving uh, ice, iced cream uh, at places like uh, the Lincoln White House, and so I'm not certain. Yeah. I would say within the last couple hundred years, it would be have to be someplace where they'd have the ice, and they'd have the old yeah. churn with the salt and the ice, and they would make the homemade ice cream. But I'm not certain when they started it. We're calling ours an ice cream social distancing. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the ice cream social distancing. I like that. Yeah. And what kind of games did they play back in the Victorian area? So, uh, you know, I know you're helping to coordinate this, Susan. So what sorts of things will, you know, are, I guess, not, not obviously your electronics, but other things that kids did back then with their family? Well, um, we're going to play croquet. And that and was a common thing? That was a very common thing, a very common lawn game. Uh, we're going to have hopscotch on the sidewalk there, and we're going to have Captain May I, or Mother May I is another name for that game, Simon Says, and then we're going to have a jump rope with two people uh, spinning the rope. And then you and jump in. Down yeah. in the meadow where the green grass grows, you know, how many kisses did she receive? One, two, you know, that kind of thing. No, and I don't actually. So that's one that I've never done. Oh, you're younger than me. So uh, <laughs> I guess I must well, almost be a Victorian because I remember all these kinds of things. Well, I remember I those. I remember jump rope, but I was just saying, you know, in Victorian era, are those the types of things they would do back then too? Yes. Yes. Because I remember playing as a kid, Simon Says and uh, those sorts of things, but I don't really they haven't really played much anymore, I don't think. And we're we're limiting some of the things like uh, jacks and marbles. We're not going to play because we're not going to have kids touching common oh. objects. So it's a little bit, uh, just a little bit safer uh, this time around. Uh, otherwise, we'd have a few more things that were a little bit more um, contact, um, um, I guess, amount to more contact. We are going to play a uh, Victorian version of I Spy, where there oh. will be objects placed around the yard, and you can see in the window, or you could see in, uh, inside the carriage house, because uh, they can go in the carriage house, and uh, and they'll find those objects and determine where they are. They'll each have their own little pad of paper and okay. their own little pencil, so that's a Victorian I Spy. So that's... Uh, we used to do that growing up, too, I remember as, as a kid playing I Spy. I mean, you didn't have computers and stuff, so you'd be at the, sitting around the table and, you know, somebody say, I spy with my little eye something yellow, and then, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you'd sit uh -huh. there and guess because uh -huh. your parents would like, well, what else do we do with these kids, I guess? Yeah. So yeah. what other things might we expect? Uh, are there going to be other uh, things happening um, that day? There will also be tours available of the Hubbard House. Those have the regular admission charge to it, but if you've never been through the Hubbard House or um, in the past year you've only got to enjoy it through the fun videos that Susan and I have done, it's a great chance to step back inside. And well, now, to when you mentioned... Uh, paying something to go in. If you're a member of the Historical Society, is that the same? Or how does that work? If you're a member of the Historical Society, do you have to be a member? Or is there... No. So if you're a member, it's a one of your membership perks is you get in for free oh, for okay. the guided tour. Okay. Um, it's all guided tours through there. But otherwise, it's a very nominal fee of $7 per adult, $3 per child, 5 to 17. Are the, the Victorian lawn stuff um, is there a fee for that? No, everything on the lawn is free okay. and fun to enjoy. And, and admission to the carriage house. Uh, they can look at the vehicles in the carriage house. Uh, there are um, horse-drawn vehicles and motor cars, a beautiful fire truck. And it is air-conditioned in there. Oh, yes. 
Is the Hubbard house air conditioned now? Yes, it is. That okay. was put in after the fact. The Hubbards did not have air conditioning. Well, but. that's what I was wondering. I was going to say on these 90 degree days, you know, if it's too hot out on the lawn, at least maybe you could go in and, and enjoy things on the inside. What other things happened in the Victorian times that might be of interest to people that we don't know about? You well, know. there was a language with hand fans that uh, women used, and I really don't know. I've, I've been told that there were up to 300 different signals of... You mean, so like how you'd wave your fan or something? Yes, it was sort of a covert... I, I think a lot of it was used for flirtation. <laughs> you know, young women flirting with young Are you men. Are available? And their, their parents swish, swish. wouldn't know or, you know, uh, from what I'm told. Uh, it's sort of a covert thing, but that's what... Uh, what the common knowledge is that 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 was happening okay and uh, with croquet talk about the game of croquet i played it as a kid i don't remember it now but how many people can play that at once so i'm thinking if you're having it on the lawn how many people can actually be out there i'm not sure how many it depends on how many mallets we have i think we've got like six five or six okay because i remember our croquet game having six mallets or something and and you put them all over the yard and i don't know I don't remember very well either. Well, who's going my... to tell the people how to play then? Well, there'll be three other uh, <laughs> three other people besides myself, and one of them is a croquet expert. Oh, that's good because <laughs> otherwise so. it could be kind of tough. And we're even going to have two croquet sets there. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. good. And She's it's also right. part of the fun just to try to swing the mallet and see if you can get it through the hoop, <laughs> just to even give it a try. I'm pretty sure with my hand-eye coordination, it would never make it through the hoop. I remember then they'd have two like two of those little hoops in a row and you think that looks so easy but it wasn't necessarily and then you hit the head at the post I remember that and yeah. that wasn't yeah. and that's why to this they don't play golf because I couldn't hit a croquet <laughs> I can't do that either <laughs> what other things are happening Heather at the uh, historical society now that things are opened up more um, are there other events and things planned for the summer? Other happenings or openings? Uh, yes. So the History Center is back open. Our regular hours, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Friday, and Saturdays, 10 to 4. And we welcome you, air conditioned, to come in and take a look. Um, we have a wonderful display right now of Marian Anderson art. So oh, we yes. have some of her personal prints out on display right now that unless you were really good friends with her and had gone through her house you maybe never saw some of these they were her own artworks so we are very um lucky this was planned before her passing so we had worked with her for some of the prints that way and her estate so very excited there we also have next week actually um, we are doing a hybrid historic Minneopa cemetery tour Ooh, where that's interesting. Um, we have the option for those who can't make it to the cemetery that you can watch a full length video at home in the comfort of your home of the cemetery tour or we have a way that we're going to be able to have you out in the cemetery listening to video clips at the headstone so very social distance and kind of at your own pace so if next Thursday is still 100 degrees you can wait till it's cooler so let me ask you this so this event what day is it going to happen? Uh, Thursday. From what the, time? Uh, it starts at four o'clock. So next Thursday, the twenty, the seventeenth. From it starts at four, and it'll go through June twenty seventh. Oh wow! So you have an so if it doesn't work on Thursday to watch it, you've got about ten days. To but what? Tune so in. you go out to the cemetery and tell me what what happened so we are actually working with the city of mankato f on a uh, virtual mobile tour called on it's a platform for tours and 
Um, we, on Thursday from 5 to 8, we'll have some staff out there to kind of give some direction on how to use this. Otherwise, please give us a call during open hours. So is it is it like uh, cameras or something out there? Or? So you'll have your cell phone and then oh, you your cell phone. Okay. watch a video clip of, so we'll be, say we're at uh, Lewis Setman's headstone and he's out there. He's one of them that we're covering. He made Setman Mill. So we're going to give a little brief history of Lewis Setman and the building of the mill and why it took two and a half, two years to build and what these grist mills were used for and how long it was in use. So you're out there at the, and then you scan it or something? Or? So it, on there, you'll just kind of click who you want on your phone. Oh. Like I am standing here at Lewis Setman. I'm going to listen to his video clip okay. and there'll be a map to show you which I believe we have 10 different headstones or family plots that we're going to kind of do a larger overview and some that are just kind of oh hey there's one section out here that's gated off why is there only one gated off family plot here yeah why is there uh because apparently they were too hard to for upkeep for the cemetery caretakers (laughs) so they said yep take care of it yourself pretty much pretty much and the ones that were out there have since gone away over time so okay what is the significance of the miniopa cemetery i don't really have any background on it of why it's I mean I know I like Miniopa Park for example and that's kind of what I'm familiar with and the waterfalls and the bison. So it essentially is Blue Earth County's one of their first cemeteries for the entire county and it's very much in the heart of Welsh country here in Blue Earth County. We have the second largest Welsh settlement in Minnesota here along the Minnesota River Valley. And with that, um, the names that you go out there are very typical what you would think of. The Joneses are there, the Evans, the Davidsons, the Richardsons, the very Welsh sounding names that helped um, build that area and kind of down into Lake Crystal. They're just very prominent names that we... Are there like war veterans or anything out there at the Miniopa Park or is that not a place? Yes, no, we, in the about 10 that we chose, I think that we cover every single war. So we have a Civil War, a World War One, a World War Two, a Korean veteran, I believe, and a Vietnam veteran that we're, we have to highlight. So, so this is just something... Where did this project evolve from? I was thinking <laughs> a lot of times you do cemetery tours in Halloween, for example. And, and just that's wonder- kind of where this idea came out of. Last October for our annual Ghosts from the Past, oh. we did Calvary Cemetery as our Ghosts from the Past, but it was all virtual. It's It was a 40-minute video put together that you could watch from the comfort of your own home instead of going out to the cemetery and it worked out really well then so we decided to try another cemetery so you don't have to actually go then you can all this you can but if you want you can have that effect of like being in the place at the time yeah so and what we found we've been doing virtual programs for over a year now is we've been able to reach a wider audience than just Mankato we have people who grew up here and they now live in the Twin Cities or they live in other states we've had one person she actually presented from us she lives in Colorado and was like I have this program can I present for you okay uh, absolutely wonderful so people are able to tune back into their roots here 
when they're living out of state. So we're we're having a lot of fun with virtual programming at the Historical Society, and that will continue. I'm wondering, Heather, if you know you being in the Historical Society, do you ever come up with new things that you discover from history that you go, wow, I never knew that. I mean, do you ever have any of those aha moments? Yes, all the time. And it's so much fun to share them, especially. So it's it's kind of so most people here know Mankato was the first people came in 1852. And unless you read and dig deeper, you don't find out that it was February 5th. And I just uh, I love uh, giving that information to sixth graders because they're they look at it. and Well, Februarys are freezing. Right, (laughs) right. So that's when they first came. Yeah. So and they where did they come from? They were up in the Twin Cities area. So they came down the frozen river and they got to about where we have Sibley Park now and went, nope, this is a good area. And by the 14th, they had filed the paperwork that this is going to be Mankato and started building right about where Hubbard Milling Company is now. Is that right? Okay. And who was the first family then? Do you know? So we credit it to two. It's P.K. Johnson and Henry Jackson. And they came down with a couple other people, but those are really the two that we credit with. They are the ones, the big names that stood out that of the crew that came that stayed here and started homes. All right, you might not know the answer to this, but are there people, relatives today that are still in this area from those original two families? Is there, has that ever oh. been traced? I'm just curious. Not that I've had come in and say I'm from them, but that oh, would be really want, cool. Yeah, I mean, that'd be something you would go, aha, really? That's, yeah. yeah. Well, we have um, members of the Hubbard family that are still alive that will stop in every now and then. Um, the oldest son ended up moving to Texas, so he has, a oh is it a son or a grandson that's still it's a grandson that's still alive in Texas and hood comes up and one of the granddaughters of the oldest daughter I believe I believe that was the line that called it or no it was of the youngest daughter who called over the summer and had a video chat with our director kind of going through some of the materials that we have of the Hubbard family. When did they first come do you know about I mean you mentioned 1852 was when the first people came to Mankato on February 5th so when about was the Hubbard family? So they were 1870 and they were the only family that lived in the Hubbard house the youngest daughter sold it to the Blue Earth County Historical Society in 1938. So that's how long it's been in the the property. Yep so it was our permanent museum from 38 until 88 when we moved into the old Newman Center on lower campus and then we restored it to be a tourable home. Does the Historical Society have any other properties in Mankato that I mean I think is it's the Betsy Tacey house is that one of theirs or is no, that a separate? No that is with the Betsy Tacey Society so we only have the two oh, okay. for the Historical Society. All right and you're primarily voluntary volunteer run correct um yeah so we have four staff that are full-time we work as hard as we can but um we love and appreciate the over 100 volunteers that we have volunteer with us on an annual basis we have about 25 that are regulars um, yeah they're in once a week or once a day for a couple of them now susan is your primary volunteer work with the victorian uh, party or do you do other events as well? I, I like to do events. I'm not a person who likes to sit quietly behind <laughs> the scenes. I mean, I do research things if I'm doing a presentation, mm-hmm. but I like I like to be out there with people. And so I'm glad that we're getting back in action here. Um, we were doing, we're not doing it this year, we were doing a, once a month a gaslight program that would be a one hour uh, program at the Hubbard House about a specific topic. And that was very fun to uh, research and um 
like you asked before, you're always learning new things about history, and that's what I found all the time, fascinating things that would just amaze me. And it was it's really fun to grab uh, local talent of different ages, like uh, merely players and different uh, theatrical people or musical people to do things. I should put in a plug for uh, another free event we'll be doing later in the summer, August 21st, it's the medicine show. It's a, oh. a, a event that I started. Is that the Old Crow Medicine Show? This is not that no, group. No, this okay, is just this is something an old-fashioned okay. old medicine show is okay. what we call it. And I started it 10 years ago. This, if we'd had it last year, this would have been our 10th annual one, but because we didn't yeah. have it last year. Um, and uh, I got started doing it because I discovered there was a woman from Iowa who in 1904 got lured into the medicine show uh, trade in St. Paul. And I looked at her, and I looked at pictures of uh, Violet McNeil, and I looked like she did when I was 17. Oh. So I portray her as an older person. Oh, wow. And then we started adding other things like, uh, and everything, the whole premise of it is that medicine shows would tour around, and they would uh, really sort of trick people out of their money. So is this money. like the snake oil salesman yes, kind of thing? Yes, yes. And, and we, we'll have, we have... Um, People doing things like fortune telling and tarot card reading, but all just pretending uh, to do these things. And um, then we also have the Cherry Sisters, who are from Iowa. They were the worst act. They're real people that were from Iowa in that era that were the worst act in vaudeville. No, and so what they do you mean the worst act? The worst act in vaudeville. They were... <laughs> They were uh, hilarious. Uh, so they were so bad they were funny. They were so bad they were funny. Oh. They had to put up chicken wire before the Blues Brothers. Now, long before the Blues Brothers. They had to put up chicken wire when they'd perform because uh, people would throw things oh, at them. Oh, no. Tomatoes and, rotten. Uh, they actually even played in New York City and helped... Um, a hall owner uh, come out of bankruptcy because for a while they were so great, but they were horrible. They were just horrible. They were an audience. There's movies like that, I think, that people talk about. You well, know, like, uh, what's her name? Florence uh, Foster Jenkins? Or I, I, there's a movie about it. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, so so there, we have a bunch of uh, different funny, fun, colorful not typical Victorian things um, at the medicine show, but that's not till August. But that's another free event on the lawn, well, and so that's you, real colorful. Have you done funny. the ghosts in the past, for example? Oh yes, because I was I did it one year, and they never asked me back, so I assume I did, must have not done a good job. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I played out, and it was in I can't remember where it was, but it was really fun a fun thing where you play a character from Mankato's past. And well, now that we know that you, <laughs> we're <laughs> always looking for talent, Karen. Never had me back. Yes, they never had me back. Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't know. I somehow got banned from the list, I think. I'm not sure. But no, no so I mean, there are a lot of things. Do you need more volunteers? I guess maybe I'll ask Heather this one because you're always, like you said, you have kind of a core group of people. And um, is that the kind of thing where you look for new people? Because a I'm, lot of organizations seem like they're aging out because there's a lot of older folks and you need young and upcoming people too. Yes, um, we we are always on the lookout for new volunteers. On our website, there is a volunteer tab right at the top oh, okay. of all the pages. There's a very simple interest form to fill out, and we will be in contact. <laughs> I like to sing, too, so maybe a singing act or something. Okay. There we go. But anyway, so, so all right, so there's just a lot of fun things you can do. And, and I want to, again, this Saturday, what time is this Victorian garden party? One to lawn three. Party? One to three p.m. One to three p.m. afternoon. So you just show up, or do you need to register ahead? or no? Just show up. Okay. Show and up and, and the, have fun. the Hubbard House located at 606 Broad Street in Mankato. And if you 
uh, need any information, you can go to the BlueEarthCountyHistory.com website. It sounds yes. like that's the way to play, best place to go for that. All ages? All ages. We like to have something for everyone. Um, there is construction on Warren Street right now, so please turn in off of Cherry Street, either on 2nd or Broad Street, to get to the Hubbard House. Is there uh, adequate parking around there? Where do you need to go for that? Because sometimes I think that can be tricky for people. Yeah, there's some on Broad Street, but there's also a few spots behind the carriage house as well as emmy fronts will be closed that day so their parking lot is available okay. as well very good well anything else you ladies would like to add about the historical society or events coming up uh, definitely stop down see us take a tour of the hubbard house and just explore what's in your own backyard is there anything new at the hubbard house by the way you mentioned marion anderson exhibit but in terms of uh, other do you ever have themes and things kind of going on uh not within the house no okay um, just the programs that we do down there. And is where do you go to do like genealogy stuff? Is that at the historic? Yeah, you should come see me at the History Center. Oh, I, you're at there too? Yes. So I work in the Research Center, but also do all of our communications there. So so we got a couple of minutes. So if, if somebody's interested in researching their, their own history, what is available to them? So we have a lot of newspaper clippings. So not just the obituaries, but... Are they all microfiche? Uh, no, actually, we because have those, that's, I remember uh, yeah. doing that's so hard to watch microfiche. You just get dizzy. It is. It yeah. is. So we, to counteract that, we have had very dedicated volunteers over the years. I have obituary books, which we are at book number 119 right now, where it's just pages upon pages oh, wow. of obituaries. We have a card catalog system that will direct you there. But we've also clipped out the social notes from the col the newspaper. So those gossip columns that Mrs. Jones went to see Mrs. Davis. Yeah. yeah. They're the precursor to Facebook, essentially. It, it was social media, and and I we always used to laugh because uh, we had it in our even our hometown paper back when I was a kid, and you'd read it, and so and so invited so and so, and my parents would be like, "Well, I guess we didn't get invited to that party," <laughs> you know. It's it kind of funny. Yeah, it makes you realize that human nature really hasn't changed yes. that much. Yes, there hasn't. was scandal and all kinds of strange things oh, going on there all was. the time. Yeah, so yeah. so go to the the center of scandal, the Minnesota Historical Society in Blue Earth County here. Right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you never know what you're going to find. It's true. Those. I bet you have found some um, fun things. Yeah, and just the odd things that pop up and just... So we also, we clip the newspaper every day. So if even... So I get newspaper clippings dropped off once every other week or so. Oh, we have okay. a volunteer who's still doing the obituary book keep up. Um, she still clips the newspapers for us. And if you've made the paper, chances are you're, you're in my files. Because okay. uh, I know I'm <laughs> in our files from doing a Hubbard House event when I was an intern over a decade oh, ago. Oh, fun. Very so. fun. Well, thank you both. We've been talking with Heather Heron and Susan Hines. Uh, Heather is the director with the... I don't know, historical, uh, not the Historical Society director, but... The, I'm the Communications and Archives Manager. There we go. There we go, because I know Jessica Potter is the, yes. the overall director. And then Susan Hines, a volunteer for almost 17 years there. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming Thank on. You. It was delightful, and, and I hope you get a good turnout this Saturday. Thank you. All right, bye-bye, ladies. Bye-bye. All right, go to the lawn party, Victorian lawn party, this weekend at the Hubbard House from 1 to 3 o'clock. Sounds like a lot of fun. Request a bit ago from uh, someone that wants to hear the St. James Infirmary done by Hugh Laurie. And Hugh Laurie is the star of the Fox drama, uh, medical drama, House. So here we go. Here's your request from Hugh Laurie. It's St. James Infirmary on the Maverick. <laughs> 